Good afternoon and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLogo and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, subscribe, or just whatever button you have to press on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On today's episode, I thought we would check in with some of the other sports that are going on right now. Uh, There are quite a few leagues that are currently active, and some of them are more interesting than others. I would have to say that MLS's return has been nothing short of an absolutely absurd affair, and I have to say that MLS honestly is not having a great look right about now. While the matches themselves are very entertaining, I tend to think it's more because you have MLS, which is already sort of a a often thought of as a lower league, which is true. Um, it's certainly not quite to the standards of a lot of the European leagues overseas, but in and of itself, MLS has its own charm, and it can be a really fun, entertaining watch, and a lot of you are probably, uh, especially for the, our Canadian listeners, Toronto FC fans. So, for, you know, you guys have enjoyed quite a bit of success over the past several years. You recently had a championship title. MLS has a special place, and you even have another uh, minor league football team in Winnipeg. So, obviously, there is a, a love of football in North America, but it's certainly a, a smaller affair, and you could kind of tell that, especially during some of these matches, which are often feeling more like scrimmages and practice sessions. The defending is not exactly ideal. The attacking is kind of hilarious. I mean, there's just a lot going on in these games, and it tends to feel, to a lesser degree, what I would expect the NHL to look like in the first couple of games when it returns, because I think these guys haven't been playing a whole lot. There's going to be quite a bit of rust as they return to the ice, and to be honest, you know, it's it's kind of hard to get excited, I think, in some respects. I mean, they're obviously raring to go and play again, but I think the emotional attachment and the psychological state of a lot of these players is going to be not as as typical as what you'd find during the regular season. The MLS tournament, I thought, has been interesting in the sense that it's been very loose and very open, which, you know, often leads to a lot of defensive errors, but also quite a few goals. I will say that there have been some um, alarming things around it, and I think a couple of teams had to leave the tournament because they had some kind of outbreak of COVID, and we certainly know that COVID has impacted not only MLS, but quite a few leagues. Uh, MLB is trying to return right now and is still dealing with a similar situation, only they haven't even started their season yet. I think they're doing some spring training, but like as an Orioles fan, I just found out that one of our team's prospects got uh, COVID. So there's quite a few, um, I guess, routes of access for COVID to get in. And it seems like this is just going to be a thing that teams and sports franchises and leagues just sort of deal with and contend with uh, throughout the rest of the year. It seems like they're going to press on anyways, regardless of whether or not they see at least a few positive tests. And I, I still don't really feel comfortable with that. I, I think that that is, for me, very worrying and not a great sign. I know why they have to do it as far as the revenue sharing is concerned. I just don't really like it. And it also makes me personally uncomfortable because you're still concerned about these guys as, as human beings and you really want them to stay safe. From what I heard, the National Women's Soccer League has been doing a fantastic job of their relaunch and they haven't had as many issues as far as I understand. 
though there was a recent debate of some sort over i think salary compensation or something so that that might be a bit of a downside to whatever is going on with how their league has restarted the nfl is also talking about coming back i think sometime during the fall season and interestingly they were talking about having fans in the stadiums which you know i don't really know if north america is actually ready for that canada could be but as far as the us is concerned i don't think so i don't i don't think we're going to be in a position to really have fans inside the stadium, especially during the rest of this calendar year. U.S. COVID cases have been skyrocketing, and we continue to be the epicenter of the virus around the world, so that's not really a conducive environment to having any sort of sporting actions going on, especially with fans in attendance. You compare it with the German uh, Bundesliga, which of course for you guys is soccer, and you see that they're talking about having fans in the stands around, I think, 30% of total capacity, or yeah, 30% I want to say. And they actually are in a position to do that because they have already worked to significantly flatten the curve. And Germany, uh, you know, from day one, really managed the COVID infection and outbreak very well. They get to have sports and they can even have some in-person attendance. And I don't think that we really deserve it yet. You know, Sean Doolittle of the Washington Nationals had a a nice little thoughtful speech that he was talking about um, during an interview. And you could tell that throughout the entire conversation he was really trying to think things through and phrase it carefully because of course the MLB is struggling to return right now especially as players continue to either opt out or actually find themselves infected and it's just a, an ugly situation in a lot of respects and Doolittle said you know he thought that for him sports are like the reward for a functioning society which I think is really an indictment of the way that things are going on in the U.S. and the fact that we are still trying to act as if things are, are normal, and they aren't. And so I think Doolittle's point is how I, I tend to feel about a lot of this, and I'm still very conflicted of, as to whether or not I'm really excited about the NHL season returning. You know, as a hockey fan, I love hockey. I, I totally do. And I can't wait for it to return in the sense of being a sporting fan. But in the other end of things, I'm not really feeling 100% comfortable with everything that's going on right now. It's good that the hub cities are in uh, Edmonton and Toronto, which hilariously Edmonton actually had a a roof leak of some sort where there was water damage inside uh, Rogers Center, so that was not ideal. Nothing that'll impact any of the games apparently, but you're just thinking about all of the factors and things that randomly happen, and of, of course, of all things, you not only have to contend with COVID, but also facility maintenance, and it's just sort of an interesting dynamic and you're thinking about the fact that these guys still have to travel from the U.S. to these bubbles, and I'm not really confident. I mean, I think the NHL's testing strategy makes a lot of sense, and hopefully they'll catch and screen early uh, issues and infections, but the fact that these guys are training together already and we're already seeing infections and outbreaks throughout some of these camps just makes me really, really nervous. No matter what, I just can't quite get down with everything that's happening, and I'm still a little bit uncomfortable with all with all of this and, and where it's trending. Up next, we're going to be talking a little bit about what Winnipeg's long-term future looks like, especially after the season, because quite a few changes are going to be inbound, and I think they're going to be happening a lot sooner than anticipated. But before we do that, I would like to give a huge shout-out to our wonderful sponsors at rockauto.com, a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Whatever you're looking for, rockauto.com will have it in stock, whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat because somebody spilled some barbecue sauce on the floor. 
RockAuto.com's easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to search for the exact make, year, model, and price range for the car parts that you want to pay. Better yet, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, 40, even 50% off retail in-store brick-and-mortar auto parts stores. Why wait in line at an auto parts store, especially during quarantine, when you can get the same parts for less at home? RockAuto.com has no membership fees, and the prices everyone pays are always the same, whether you're an amateur DIYer or an experienced automotive mechanic veteran. If you place an order, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. While the playoffs haven't even kicked off yet, Winnipeg actually has quite a different long-term picture as we track into the next couple of calendar years. You know, we're obviously thinking just about the next few months, but I think it's also prudent to take a look at what exactly is happening with the Jets as they start to transition out the last of these Atlanta holdouts. We, of course, know that Blake Wheeler is locked up for the foreseeable future, and he has a modified no-trade clause that kicks in around 2022-2023. I'm still not a fan of this contract just because it's almost $8.5 million for a guy who's in his 30s, and while Wheeler is still effective as a forward in a lot of areas, it's just really hard to figure out just how much more effective he's going to be. In terms of his play-driving ability, especially in transition and in the offensive zone, we've definitely seen big declines there. That said, for the foreseeable future, Blake is going to be a Winnipeg Jet, which is, you know, it is what it is. If you're going to sign a a long-term kind of old and bad contract, there are much worse players to tie the mask to, and I think Wheeler, uh, you know, he still plays a very valuable role for this team, and his defensive impact for sure has been pretty profound. If he can still be at least break-even over the next several years, and possibly even above break-even, which would be, you know, the more ideal situation you can live with it. It's not the worst. Um, Kyle Connor is also locked up. I feel like Connor for me is probably as far as guys you could trade to bring in help in different positions. That's the player that I would circle back to as being one of Winnipeg's more expendable players. And the challenge for me is that Connor is really great at scoring lots of goals. I mean, that's his that's his most talented trait aside from his edge work and skating. The difficult thing with him is that his net defensive value and his struggles to, you know, do some of the other stuff that kind of comes around with transitioning the puck and and making strong two-way play efforts, I think is why he's always been a frustrating player for me. He's so good at scoring goals and he's like one of the best one-on-one matchup players in the entire league. But the other parts of his game that have some massive gaps are enough to make you wonder just how much value he really provides for his contract. I wouldn't say that he's overpaid at all. I think that that, you know, his deal as it is is fine. It's just, it's a little expensive for how much actual total value he provides. But again, it's something that you can live with. He signed long term and is young. So you can, if you need to, if you must, you, you can trade him. But obviously, I think the Jets want to keep him around and I can understand why. If he can ever recover at least a little bit of his defensive form down the road, I think that that would be uh, a lot more, you know, well-rounded and a lot better than what he's doing right now, which is one of the worst defensive efforts in the entire league for a skater. Past that, the Jets have most of their core locked in. The only piece that's really not signed for multi-years is, of course, Patrick Liney, and he's on a bridge deal until next season at a little over $6.5 million. He's at 6.75. I think that his contract will probably look a lot like Blake Wheeler's deal is my guess. I could see, you know, seven and a half to eight million, maybe a little bit above eight million. But the thing is, is I don't think they will pay Line more than the captain or the same amount. I just I, I would be surprised if that was the thing. I think if you signed him for, you know, 
somewhere between seven and a half to eight for five years, you're doing okay. If you can bring that salary number down a bit, I think that that would be even better, but I'm not anticipating that just because it's going to be difficult. Now, the, the thing is, is this was pre-COVID, so after COVID, contract negotiations are going to, are going to get really weird is my guess. While this is, you know, it, COVID's probably going to be relatively over, so to speak, by the time Lani's contract extension is around, the financial losses are going to be a, a long-term issue that the Jets will have to contend with. The cap is probably going to remain flat for a bit, too, so that's going to mean that negotiations are going to be very challenging. What will benefit the Jets is by the time Line a is ready for a contract deal, uh, Perot is going to be a free agent. I have to think that Brian Little is probably done as soon as a season. I think that he is just, unfortunately, I think his career is over. I don't really think that he's going to be healthy enough to continue playing. From a cap-based perspective, and not uh, you know any of the personal issues that kind of come along with this, Little coming off the books does free up around $5.3 million. It's a really depressing freeing of $5.3 million, but it does at least create space for the Jets to try and figure out what to do next because they have a lot of free agents coming up and they can't pay all of them. Perot coming off the books is going to be helpful in some respects. I, I really like Matthew, but of course he is getting into his 30s and he's around $4 million. And I think at this stage, if he wants to stay in Winnipeg at that stage, you know, and, and maybe hang around for two seasons or so. I'd like him on a much cheaper contract, but I don't know if he'll be ready to test another team and move on. Lowry and Kopp will also be up for extensions around the same time, and I don't really know what you pay those guys. I feel like Kopp is one of those players that I would be comfortable with, like, two and a half to three million if he was given, you know, middle six minutes, high-end middle six minutes. Paying depth guys is always kind of challenging, but I think Cop is the rare player that I would want to keep around for a lot longer than most other depth forwards because I think that he is quietly more than just what you would expect out of a bottom six player. Lowry is one of those guys that I'm perhaps a little bit more ambivalent on just because I think Lowry doesn't quite have as much offensive upside as Cop does, and I feel like he plays a more specific role, especially in like a fourth line elite deployment where I'm not really sure if you want to sign him long-term and lock him down for, you know, more than a couple million bucks. I think if you can get those two under contract with term for a total of around five million, preferably less than that, I think you're you're doing pretty okay. But I, I think Cop is, of course, going to ask for a bit more, and I would imagine that Lowry will be looking for more as well. We're starting to trickle down to more of the depth guys who maybe have uh, questionable futures here in Winnipeg. And I have to say that Jack Roslovic is one of those guys where I'm trying to figure out what his long-term role with this team is because I think he's talented enough to be middle to top six. But as of yet, we have not always seen the best from him in on a, you know, a daily and consistent basis. He clearly has a high talent ceiling it's just whether or not he consistently gets there all the time he could be you know Matthew Perot out on the wing at one point especially in the future of his career he's just not there yet and as an RFA I kind of wonder what sort of deal you're looking at because I think Roslovic at one point was not happy with the amount of ice time that he was getting and I was also kind of thinking you know did he really earn that extra ice time relative to his teammates you know, what sort of offensive impact was he contributing that would make him a better player than some of the other guys like Appleton and Harkins and Cop? This was obviously before Harkins was even around, but, but you know, I, I think it sort of speaks to the fact that Roslovic, I don't know, I just feel like where he is right now, he needs something more than what he's getting, and I just don't know how to get him to that next stage of his career. 
he's he's got plenty of talent and we have seen flashes of absolute brilliance from him especially in his earlier years with the jets it's just whether or not once he's ready to take that next step if he can be a really high level impact player i think he probably gets bridged if he's not moved or or signed to a long-term deal i think a bridge just makes the most sense for where he is in his career and that way you can figure out whether or not this marriage is really meant to last without committing too 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 long for something uh harkins is of course another guy that i think the jets are probably going to sign for a couple of years he seems like he's going to be a productive bottom six player perhaps with a middle six to top six upside realistically i think he'll be a great third liner you know whether or not he fills an emergency duty in the top six remains to be seen but at least in the third or fourth line role i think he'll be very effective nick shore is another one of those guys that the jets may or may not jettison if he wants like a little bit of money to stick around for a couple of seasons you have to sign him i think that shore is as ideal a fourth line center as you could possibly get and he tends to show quite a bit more upside for like a bottom six player than what you'd expect i love him i think that he's a perfect fit for what the jets want in a uh, a fourth line pivot and i genuinely think that he deserves a multi-year cheap deal you know nothing like three million or anything but you know a million a million and a half you tie that money to a good good depth player who will honestly want to stick around and, and play for a contending team Mason Appleton probably in a similar boat. I think that Appleton provides good uh, defensive value, especially in a bottom six role. He can help you on your PK and whatnot. So I think that that definitely has value in the sort of Brandon Tanev role. Um, Appleton, I think, also has a little bit more upside than Tanev in certain areas. Not 100%, but but certainly uh, he does have some offensive talent and he is fast. You get him on a, a cheap couple of years, I think that you'll be happy with that, especially as you you know continue to draft and develop other players and prospects, perhaps with more upside. The other three guys that are going to expire, Bork, Latesto, and Shaw, just jettison. I don't really think that there's any reason to uh, have those guys in roster spots beyond as AHL depth call-ups. Even then, though, I'm just not really into that whole uh, thing as much just because I feel like they they will be replaced by guys like Veselainen and, and some of the other players, you know, maybe David Gustafson down the road too. On defense, it's going to be a lot trickier. Uh, we have Morrissey locked up, of course, but Pionk expires uh, the season after next. Bolu and DeMello are free agents. DeMello really needs to be extended multiple years. I think that he, you know, should be a three to four year signing. And I think that the average annual value won't be that expensive, which for the Jets is great. Um, DeMello said that he hasn't really had contract discussions with the Jets yet, but I think that that is something that can easily be reconciled, and the Jets will have um, all the time in the world to extend him and get him committed for a couple of seasons. Hopefully he likes playing here because I like watching him play here. Kulikov is another player that I would not mind the Jets getting for significantly less than they paid when they originally signed him. He expires this after this season, but I'd be happy with him staying for another two to three years on like a two to two and a half million dollar contract provided he can stay healthy he's a really good defender even if he doesn't really bring a whole lot of offensive value getting him for like a shutdown role though and and sort of help somebody like neil pionk a bit i think would be very good you know pionk is occasionally a bit of a loose cannon in his own end and he does provide plenty of offensive value it's just I think Kulikov is a nice stabilizing partner, and I was actually pretty impressed with Kulikov, especially as he came back in in the past couple of months. I thought that his defensive reads were great, I thought that his positioning was very strong, and the number of mistakes that he usually gets burned on noticeably declined. The other free agents I'm a little more ambivalent about. Sami Niku, of course, is an RFA, and I don't really know what you do with him because I feel like you got to do something, 
you either cut him loose or you try and get him into this lineup more regularly. At this point, I think he probably doesn't have much of a future in Winnipeg, and it's really hard to make an argument about what he would help this team do other than transition and move the puck with offensive flair. That, I think, does count for a lot, and I'd prefer that the Jets do keep him. I just think as far as selling a genuine case to Jets management, it's really hard. I also don't think it's fair to keep him constantly down and and not really in a, a rotating spot that often because I think he deserves more ice time and I think he deserves a chance to prove himself a bit more, but I don't know if he's going to get it here. Let me know who you guys would uh, keep or jettison in the comments in, on Twitter if you want to hit up the tweet at HLVingLoco or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you so much for listening, and before you log off, be sure to check out our Locked On NHL National Podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato. Thanks so much, have a great night, and go Jets go!